We're continuing on in John. We won't go super long today, says the pastor. Yeah, right. Like one o'clock before we get out of here. Uh, we're continuing on in John today. And uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open up to John chapter 16. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's some up front. You're welcome to grab one and take it with you. And today I'm reading from the ESV. And uh, we're looking at uh, Christ's life as we're seeing the unfolding of the Holy Spirit poured out upon the church. And we're going to see uh, further iterations of that uh, in the future as we touch on, uh, touch on the book of Acts later on. Uh, but what we see here is Jesus talking clearly about the work of the Holy Spirit and the direction that's, uh, that's going. But Jesus is also, in this chapter, painting uh, a clear picture to the disciples about the reality that he is soon going to be going away from them, but will also return to them. And he's helping them understand that there is going to be a change of season, a change of chapter. And what things look like today aren't always going to look like that tomorrow. Anybody have those situations in their own lives where uh, everything that you see in front of you today seems all-encompassing, it's everything you can concentrate on, but really at the end of the day, it's just preparing you for what is coming tomorrow. And sometimes if we're not focused, if we aren't paying attention, if we aren't willing to ask the questions or get some information, we can be caught by surprise by what is coming down the tube. And Jesus is trying to mitigate the disciples being caught by surprise. He's overemphasizing the reality of what is about to happen. He's teaching them, he's equipping them, but what we're going to read in just a few moments is that uh, they aren't quite getting it. And it takes them a little while to clue into the reality of what is about to happen. The reality that a chapter is going to close and a new chapter is going to open. Jesus is foreshadowing tremendously. He's already been foreshadowing a lot, but he is extra foreshadowing right now as he's equipping and teaching uh, and sharing with his friends about what is coming down the tube. And they're a little thick-headed. They're not quite grasping it. And there's actually a lot of like repeat sentences that we're going to see, especially uh, in verse 16 and on. And you wonder, like, are these guys daft? Are they not catching the reality of what Jesus is talking about? And I want to ask you this question today. How often are we too quite daft, where we are not catching the reality of what is being taught to us, what is being shared to us, or what the Lord is impressing upon us? How often do we choose not to ask the questions? How often do we choose not to pay attention to the reality of where we are at to see where we are going. We often miss these things because we are hyper-focused on our own personal circumstances and we don't stop and pause and take a look around at what is going on around us. And so Jesus is really helping his friends understand this. He's painting a picture and we do see uh, towards the end of the chapter that they start realizing what's going on. The lights are starting to go on, things are starting to click, and this is good. So I'm going to back up just a touch. Uh, Pastor Maria preached a couple weeks ago uh, regarding John chapter 15 uh, and talking about the Holy Spirit. And I just want to finish off the end of that before we step into chapter 16. So uh, I'm looking at chapter 15, verse 18, and I'm going to read from there and we'll carry on all the way to the end of chapter 16. And then we're going to look at a few highlights in there. 
If the world hates you, this is Jesus speaking, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. He's saying, friends, don't worry. You're going to experience some challenges, but I have already experienced these challenges. I am the forerunner. I am going before you. I am experiencing these things. Don't lose heart. You won't go through anything that I myself haven't already gone through. I'm telling you it's going to be okay. Jesus goes on to say, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep your word. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him, my father, who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me uh, hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of the sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. It says they hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, which is the Holy Spirit, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And also you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus is saying, look, friends, I have established this in your hearts. I have taken you on this journey. I have equipped you with the things that you have seen, heard, and experienced so that you won't fall away. The Lord brings us through seasons of life that are challenging. They chafe us. They can be disruptive to what we want to naturally occur in our life and circumstances. But the Lord brings us through these things to build security in him, knowing that we can trust in him, knowing that we can depend upon him, and it will keep us from falling away from him. So it goes on to say in verse 2, they will put you out of the churches and synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering a service to God. And they will do these things because you because they have not known the Father nor known me. Jesus is saying out of naivety, they are going to do these things. They're going to persecute you in my name. They're going to drive you out of the churches and synagogues. They will kill you at some point in my, thinking they're offering service to God. And they're going to do these things because they have not known the Father nor known me. I just want to pause for a second and fast forward to when Jesus is on the cross. And here he is upon the cross nailed to it. Suffering all the atrocities that a man could possibly suffer and experience. And he is being beaten and whipped. And as they're calling out to him, insulting him, calling him names, mocking him, he simply calls out, Lord, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. If they only knew who my father was, they wouldn't do these things. If they knew the father, they were, their hearts would be moved to compassion, not to hatred. 
It's important to remember that as believers, we want to echo the cry of Christ. As we see things unfold in the world around us, Lord, please, would you forgive them? They simply don't know who you are. And Jesus is saying these things. They will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor have they known me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them about you, or that I told them to. It goes on in the next uh, verse here. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to, to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I did not go away, the Holy Spirit would not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I want to pause on that for just a second. Who brings conviction to the world regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment? The Holy Spirit does. Who brings conviction to the world regarding sin, holiness, and judgment? The Holy Spirit does. Church, we live in a funny time where there is an overarching desire for the church to express to the world the conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But I want to tell you something very important today. And grads, I want you to understand this very clearly because you're stepping into a new chapter of life. Wherever it is you go, whatever it is you do, whether you become a counselor or a mechanic or a professional in your field, whatever it is that you do, I want you to remember that when you experience adversity and you experience challenge, and perhaps you're in a situation where your faith is called into question, or perhaps you're in a situation that's very chafing to the reality of who you believe yourself to be as a Christian, instead of lashing out and joining picket lines, and championing things that are ultimately going to pass away, I want you to remember very clearly this morning, and church, I want you to remember that it is not our job to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's not our job to do that. In fact, our job is to love and care for those around us. In fact, we will be known by the love that we have. We won't be known by our great arguments online. And we won't be known by what protest lines we choose to join in or abstain from. We won't be known by the articles that we write. We won't be known by the causes we choose to champion. We will be known by the love we have for one another. Your, 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 your call as a Christian and it's actually an easy one, believe it or not. The call to Christ is actually quite simple. Love the Lord and love others. It's simple. And when you experience challenge or you experience animosity or people are coming against you or, or they're frustrated with you or angry at you or, or they're just espousing things that have nothing to do with your character before the Lord and, and you're chafed by this, I want you to remember your job, church, is not to rally back and to fight back. Your job is to ask the Holy Spirit to begin ministering to their lives. 
You see, when we beseech the Lord and we ask the Holy Spirit to bring conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment, gone are the opportunities when we have strife against brother and sister. And what arises out of that is a wrestling with the Holy Spirit that an individual has to have. They no longer fight you against me or me against you. The fight isn't there because the battle does not belong in the flesh. The fight comes from a person's soul wrestling with the Father. And as the church, we have opportunity to pray for those. Pray for the people that are experiencing these challenges, not rise against them out of holy indignation, but rather call on the Holy Spirit to minister to them and to pray for them. And our job is easy. We get to love them. Take them for a coffee, buy them a sandwich, go for a walk, hear their hearts, and do life with them. Grads, your job as believers is wildly simple, and I want you to remember that. Don't overcomplicate the call of being a believer. If I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the rulers of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but can't, you cannot bear to hear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, so whatever the Holy Spirit hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And I like this next section. It's titled, Your Sorrow Will Turn Into Joy. It says this, A little while and you will see me no longer. Jesus is foreshadowing. He's telling them the reality that just in a short few moments, in, in the matter of days or weeks, you will not see me anymore. You will not see me anymore. But again, in a little while, you will see me. Some of the disciples, they said to each other, they're kind of murmuring in the background, whispering to one another. But what is this that he's saying to us? A little while you won't see me, and again, in a little while you will see me, because I'm going to the Father? And so they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. But Jesus, without hearing them, we can infer, he knew they wanted to ask him a question. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? You're asking yourselves what I meant by saying a little while and you won't see me again and a little while you will see me? Listen, truly, truly I say to you, you will weep and lament and the world will rejoice. He's talking about his death. The world will rejoice at the death of Christ. You will weep and you will lament, but the world will rejoice at my death. They're not quite getting it yet. You will be sorrowful but your sorrow will turn into joy. You see, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the sorrow now. She doesn't remember the anguish. She doesn't remember the pain. 
For the joy that a human being has been born into this world overshadows those things. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. But I'm telling you, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Students, we live in a world right now. It's very easy to experience joylessness. It's very easy to experience sorrow and frustration and challenge. These are easy things to experience. You don't have to go far maybe even out the front doors, perhaps even right now in this moment, you're processing and walking through the reality that joy is not present in your life. But Jesus is explaining to us here that because of him and what he has accomplished and what he has done, you can receive joy. You can receive joy that surpasses your situations. You can receive joy that surpasses what you naturally ought to be experiencing. Perhaps you've experienced some horrible things in your life and in your circumstances. Perhaps you have borne a weight on your shoulder that no person should ever be intended to bear. But when you go to the Lord and you ask the Father to give you his peace, to give you his joy, to give you his wisdom. He pours it liberally out upon you. It's a gift that he gives to you through his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit will come and minister to the broken parts of your heart, to the vacant spaces in your life, to the areas that you can't fix on your own because he does a supernatural work. It's not a natural work that's accomplished, for if it could be done naturally, we would all do it. But there is a joy that misses in our hearts, and that joy, that spot that we need, can only be filled by the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way. And so, grads, when you are going forward in life, and you are meeting challenges, and you're thinking, I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this on my own. I feel like I am just robbed of all joy in my life. Never forget, never forget that that is actually an enviable place to be in because it causes you to reach out beyond yourself. Reaching out beyond yourself is the most important place to be because if you had to do it all by yourself, you would never attain what it is you actually need. Your soul is yearning for a connection beyond you. Your soul is yearning for a connection with your Heavenly Father. And wherever you go in life, Whatever you experience, no matter what joy or atrocity you might experience, you can stop and you can pray and you can say, Father, would you please give me your peace? Would you please give me your joy? In Jesus' name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Grads, be a, a joyful people that are set apart from the rest of the people around you. And finally, grads, you are stepping into the world. Maybe right now, or maybe in a little while, you'll be leaving the comfort of your homes. 
You'll be leaving the security of all the things that you know, your regular structures and your schedules, the people that you can normally be dependent upon. Some of you might move away and go somewhere else. Some of you might be here for a period of time. But regardless of where you go geographically, your life is changing practically. It is. And in addition to the grads here, many of our lives are in a season of change. Change is happening. And it can be scary to go out into the world around us and feel uneasy. In fact, it can be so scary that we choose to stay in our infancy in the places where a chapter should have closed a while back. We choose to stay in these places and not flip the page and go into a new season because it can be too scary to look ahead. It can be too scary to consider the idea that something might change. But I want to encourage you, church, and I want to encourage you, grads, that change, change of season, is actually very healthy. It's actually very helpful. I'm sure many of you have noticed in the last few days we've had some sunshine. Change of season is good. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. The grass is growing uncontrollably. True story. But it's with this change of season that can give us an appreciation for seasons past. And it's with this change of season that can give us an appreciation for seasons to come. We should await these things with joyful anticipation, but not hyper-focus on them so as we lose track of the moment that we're in right now. Accept the season that you're in. And be encouraged of the chapters that are yet to come. And as we step into the world, we often wonder, how will we do? Will we make it? Will we survive? I don't know what it's going to look like to deal with this or that or the other thing. How can I pay for college? What car am I going to drive? Who am I going to marry? These things can seem uneasy at times. But as we trust and depend on the person of Jesus, as we have this path in front of us that seems ambiguous and strange, we can believe and know assuredly that he makes our path straight. Jesus goes on to say this in verse 25, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you very plainly about the Father. And in that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you, that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and because you have believed that I come from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world and now I am leaving the world going to the Father. And his disciples said, ah, there we go. Now you're speaking plainly and not using figures of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you did come from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have trials and tribulations, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. 
I have overcome the world, is what Jesus says. Grads, you are going to be going into the world. And like we said earlier, you're going to have careers and opportunities. You'll have families and, and life will just come roaring at you like a freight train in different seasons. Ask any person here who's a little bit older than you. They'll tell you that life happens and it happens quick. But regardless of what life throws at you, regardless of what the world throws at you, regardless of what difficulties and struggles and trials that you may come face to face with, regardless of all those things, there is a point that you can anchor to assuredly time and time again without fail. And the point that you can anchor to is the point of Christ. He is immovable and unshakable. He is your protector and your healer. He is your righteousness. He is your champion. He is your victory, meaning that he waves a banner of victory, not a banner of defeat saying, I give up. When you turn to Christ, you can know that he will provide for you. He will minister to you. He will speak to you. He will direct you. He will comfort you when you are in your lowest points, and he will rejoice with you in those highest moments. He will encourage you when you are in the depths of sorrow, and he will pour out his compassion and his love upon you to bring you through seasons of victory. Wherever you go and whatever you do, I want you to know today, never forget that you can always turn to Christ. Always. The moments that I've had in my life that have been the hardest, perhaps the most confusing, I don't know which way is up. You get those times where you feel like you've just gone through the washing machine and, and you're just feeling out of control. Those moments are shortened and they last less and less time as life goes by as I've learned the important need to stop what I'm doing, to find a quiet place, to get my head on straight, and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I can't do this on my own. The things that I'm going through do not make sense to me. I'm really struggling with how to understand these circumstances. And I'm really having a difficult time knowing what tomorrow might look like. I am having a hard time feeling secure in anything at all. In fact, I feel like everything has been stripped away. Jesus, I need you. But when you turn to him in the midst of those moments, in those moments of hurt and pain or anguish, or the moments of confusion when you're feeling out of control. When you turn to him and you call out to him, Jesus, please, would you be with me? He is faithful to respond. He's faithful to carry you through. He's faithful to come into the situation that you are in. No matter how messy it may be, no matter how much you've contributed to it yourselves, he is faithful to come into these places when you call out to him. And he will care for you. He will minister to you. He will love on you. He will nurture you. But he will never, ever, ever leave you where he found you. He won't. 
He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Remember this. And for each of you, it might look like something different. That expression of faith might be very colorful and vibrant, or that expression of faith might be very personal and subdued. Please know that regardless of what it looks like in your lives, I urge you and encourage you, foster a relationship with Jesus because with him, there is not a thing that you can't accomplish or do when you trust in him. Nothing. And when you give your hearts to him, when you align your hearts with him, when you say, Jesus, more of you and less of me, he diminishes you. It's not a bad thing. He diminishes you as he pours his spirit out into your life. And things begin to change. But it always comes out of a heart of humility. It always comes out of a heart of of humility. It can be very easy to have an idea in our minds that we can just do everything on our own. And for some of us, that has gotten us so far in life. So far. And so for some of us, we're still in that moment. Very thankful and blessed that we are able to accomplish many great things. But for others of us here, we've experienced the reality of hitting that brick wall where our skills, our abilities, our gift sets can't carry us through anymore. And when our identity is so disrupted in those moments, we can be left floundering, and we can falter and fail so rapidly. In fact, as, as a need to try to keep a grip on everything and feel like we have a sense of control still, we will grab onto anything that we can to try to feel like we're able to make it through. And some of those things that we grab a hold of are very far from Jesus. And some of the things that we grab a hold of can be very poisonous to our lives, to our relationships. They can be very damaging to the state of our relationship before the Father. But it goes on to say in the book of James at the very beginning, if any of you lacks wisdom, go and ask your heavenly Father for it, and he gives it unabradedly without finding fault, meaning that this, wherever you are in life, whatever you're going through, and no matter what kind of storm you are in the midst of, and no matter what you've done to bring yourself to that place, or no matter what anybody else has done to put you in that place, each one of you, every one of you, has this opportunity and this promise before you. And that promise is, no matter where you've come from, no matter what it is that you've done, when you are in a place of saying, Jesus, I need you, God, would you give me your wisdom? It says, and it's a promise, that he will give it to you unabradedly. He will pour it out upon you without finding fault. It doesn't matter what you've contributed to mess up your life up to this point. When you call out to Jesus, he will pour his wisdom out upon you. And here's the, here's the caveat. The caveat is this. When you receive that wisdom, act upon it. Don't just take it and then keep getting tossed back and forth in the ocean. You receive that wisdom that is a gift from God, no matter where you are. That wisdom will open up your eyes and enlighten you to the opportunity to surrender to Jesus. That wisdom will help you realize that it's not about you, but about him and others. 
That wisdom will help you understand what decisions to make and what decisions not to make. That wisdom, as God pours it out upon you, will even help you figure out which nut needs to go on this spot on the motor that I'm working on. It's a true story. Why? Why does it work like that? Because our Heavenly Father is our Father. He is a good Father. And no good father, when his child asks for a fish, is going to give him a rock. A good father comes alongside and helps and ministers and cares for. Some of you might not understand what it looks like to have a good earthly father. You might have a disconnect there, and you might not understand the reality of what a good father is. But I want to tell you this morning that your heavenly father is truly and properly the good father. And where you might be lacking naturally to understand the love and the care of an earthly father, your heavenly father will come in and minister and mend and work in wonderful ways to patch up the areas of life that may have been left vacant by your worldly dad. He will pour out his grace upon you because he recognizes, yeah, they've had a hard go. I'm going to be gracious with them because he's a good father. So I encourage each of you grads, and I encourage all of you this morning, church. I'll call the worship team up. I encourage all of you this morning, church, to trust in the Lord, to depend upon him, to lean into him, to talk to him. And when I say talk to him, I mean talk to him. Get your words out. Go find a quiet place so nobody thinks you're insane. And talk to your Heavenly Father. Ask him questions. Allow him to speak into your life. When we see people growing in their faith and we wonder how on earth do they have wisdom that surpasses their age and their circumstances? Where could that possibly come from? It seems unnatural. And the truth is, it is unnatural. It is supernatural. It is wisdom that comes from the Father who knows all things and who is present. So no matter what you go through, no matter what your challenge or struggle may be, I want to encourage you grads and I want to encourage you church to lean into the Lord. As this previous chapter of your life is coming to a close, and as the pages are turning and you're looking at the title of what's up next, I want to encourage you to remember that the next chapter of your life can be the grandest adventure you've ever experienced. In fact, it will be the grandest adventure that you ever experience when you choose to say yes to Jesus you choose to trust in him and receive his wisdom. And you choose to go wherever it is that he calls you to go. This next chapter should be exciting. And you should look forward to it with anticipation as you trust in the Lord. Church, why don't we stand as we uh, close in prayer. And we bring our service to a close today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed our good Father. We thank you for the love and the compassion that you give us, especially when we don't deserve it. 
We thank you for your care and your wisdom that you pour out upon us. We thank you that you are so faithful to meet us where we are at, and you are so faithful to never leave us where you found us. And finally, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are great and we are not. We thank you that you are great and that we are not. Would you forgive us this morning, Lord, for the times where we have put ourselves before you? Would you forgive us this morning, Lord, for the times where we have resisted your love and your kindness and your intervention into our lives and circumstances? Would you forgive us, Lord, for the times where we have chosen to remain in the mess that we are in because we don't know what it looks like to trust in you? Hallelujah. And Father, would you continue to teach us by diminishing our pride, growing us into humility, and nurturing our path forward. We love you and we thank you. Bless these grads and bless your church today, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen.